And the gospel lesson comes from the gospel according to Matthew. It's chapter 24, verses 15 through 28, and it's on page 701 of the Pew Bible. In this gospel lesson, Jesus is answering two different questions posed to him by the disciples. Uh, And you can find them both at the beginning of chapter 24 in verses 1 through 3. Uh, Jesus had prophesied the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, So the disciples, they asked him when this would happen. And they also asked him uh, about the sign of Jesus coming at the end of the age. So in our gospel lesson for today, Jesus begins by speaking of the destruction of the temple and the fall of Jerusalem. This was uh, fulfilled, uh, we know from history, in the year 70 AD, about 40 years after Jesus' death and the resurrection. And then he tells them about the, the tribulation, the trials that will last until he returns. And finally, Jesus transitions to tell uh, of his return and the end of all things. So please stand for the gospel. From Matthew 24, we begin reading at verse 15. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Father, these are your words. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus is coming. Dear saints, this is glorious news. The King of heaven and earth is coming. This is what we heard in the gospel lesson as well as in the epistle lesson from 1 Thessalonians. Jesus is coming, and all the world will see him. This is good news. The scriptures tell us about this. They do not tell us everything we want to know, like when exactly it will happen, but they do tell us everything we need to know in very clear terms. The scriptures are very clear that Jesus will return. He will come the same way he ascended, on a cloud. His coming will be very public. Nobody will miss it. He will raise the dead, even those who have long since turned to dust. He will judge the living and the dead. He will transform his believing saints into his own image, 
and he will take us home to the kingdom he has prepared for us. This is the clear teaching of Scripture. And this clear teaching can be summarized even farther, even further with the words of the Nicene Creed. He shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. So if all the various end times teachers confuse you, just ignore them and believe the clear teaching of Scripture. Jesus is coming. He will raise the dead. Jesus will judge and Jesus will take his believing saints into his eternal kingdom. This is what we need to know, and the scriptures are very clear about it. And so we should be watching and waiting, because Jesus could return at any time. And we should make every effort to live a life worthy of the kingdom we are looking for. Now, of course, uh, I hope you all know that there is nothing that we can do in ourselves to make our ourselves worthy. It is only the blood of Jesus that makes us worthy. But still, we ought to strive as best we can to live a life worthy of the kingdom we are waiting for. And so here's a a little brain activity that you can try throughout the week. As you go about the daily activities of your life, ask yourself sometimes this very simple but perhaps revealing question. Is this what I want to be doing when Jesus returns? And if the answer to that question is no, uh, then you probably shouldn't be doing that thing. And I won't even try to give you specific examples of what that might be because I'm quite sure you can already think of several things you do that would be inappropriate for that time. Now, I don't mean to say that all the activities of our lives need to be hyper-spiritual. We don't need to... Uh, frantically plead nonstop from this moment until Jesus returns with every lost sinner to repent. Their conversion is not our work, it is the Holy Spirit's. The Holy Spirit may use us in that work, he always seems to use someone, but it is ultimately his work and we can leave it to him. We can trust him to do it. And that means that we can take a break to go to sleep or Uh, to eat or brush your teeth or go to work and do your job or play with your kids or rake the leaves in your yard, all those things. Because all of these things are good works that God intends for us to do while we enjoy this creation and wait for the new one. Someone once asked Martin Luther what he would do if he knew Jesus was coming back the next day. And he said, I would plant a tree. It's kind of a surprising answer. We kind of expect that this reformer who cared so deeply about the gospel would uh, make one last effort to preach the gospel to lost sinners. But Luther, he had already preached the gospel to, well, pretty much everyone he could find, and he knew that their rejection was not his fault. And should they repent and believe, he also knew that was not his doing either. Repentance is always the Holy Spirit's work, and God knows what he is doing. And he will return when the time is right. So in the meantime, we are simply called to be faithful in the various callings God has given to us. Sometimes that faithfulness necessarily includes preaching the gospel to people who need to hear it, or it may also include 
planting a tree or putting the leftovers in the fridge so someone can eat them tomorrow, if, of course, there is a tomorrow. And so Luther, he was simply trying to illustrate that so many of the various uh, mundane activities that we do are the very works God desires us to do. And if Jesus were to return, well, then what could be better than to be found doing the very thing God put man on this earth to do in the first place? Tending his garden. So whether our daily activities seem hyper-spiritual or extraordinarily mundane, we are to live with the constant expectation that Jesus may return at any moment, because he will. And when he does return, may we all be found faithful. So if Jesus is returning, and he most certainly is, that sounds like a pretty big deal, right? And it's fascinating to think about. Someday, we don't know when, but someday, Jesus will return. And the world, as we know it, will cease. A new and better world will be created. As Christians, we look forward to this as our final deliverance. I won't be sick anymore. <laughs> Neither will you. Every last bit of evil, pain, sin, and death will be gone. Jesus will come to take us to his new creation that he has prepared for us. So we kind of want to know what that day will be like, right? And if you look around in Christian bookstores or on Christian television channels, you will soon discover that there are many, many different opinions. But the problem with all these opinions is just that. They're opinions. Now, one of these opinions, and this is the only opinion I'll deal with today, uh, one of these opinions is that when Jesus returns, it will be a, a secret and silent and invisible event. No one will even see Jesus, but all of a sudden, all the Christians in the world will suddenly vanish. And because of this sudden vanishing, the world will descend into chaos. If you have paid any attention to modern end times teachers, I'm sure you've heard of this opinion. But it's false. I mention this false opinion because it can have a harmful effect. First, if you believe this theory, you end up getting scared every time someone leaves the house without telling you. You look around the house, and when you find no one there, you start to worry if you got left behind. Then you find a note on the counter that says, Mom went to the grocery store. Jesus is quite clear that when he returns, no one is going to miss it. And the second harmful effect of this theory, and this one is probably more serious, is that it can actually make people think they will have a second chance after Jesus returns. Kind of like you can just procrastinate your repentance until then. If the world doesn't end when Jesus returns, then we all get a little bit more time. Even if life might be a little more difficult, at least there is a second chance. But again, the scriptures are quite clear. When Jesus comes back, that's the end. He will judge the living and the dead. So when Jesus comes back, it's not going to be a secret thing. Now, it is correct to say that Christians will be uh, raptured. That's the technical term that we have. The epistle lesson from 1 Thessalonians says, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And that's what we mean when we talk about the word rapture. But it's not going to be a secret thing. 
It will be a very public thing. Right before this verse, we read, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with, what? A cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. This, by the way, is not figurative language. These words are very clear, and they are, be, they are to be believed. When Jesus returns, it will be loud. You will hear about it. A cry of command, the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God. The whole world will notice this, and it won't be characterized by people magically disappearing. It will actually be quite the opposite. Dead people will be climbing out of their graves. Lots of them. This is not going to be a secret thing. People are going to notice. And Jesus says the same thing in the gospel lesson. When he comes, you're going to know. He warns us about false Christs and false prophets that may even perform great signs and wonders, but we are not to believe them. They might say, look, Jesus is over here, or look, he's over there. But Jesus says, don't look. He says, do not go out, do not believe it. If anyone ever says, look, Jesus is back, he's over here, do not look. Because Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, you will know it. No one is going to miss it, and you will not sleep through it. Dead people won't even sleep through it. Jesus says it will be as noticeable as lightning in the sky. When you're outside during a lightning storm, you notice it, right? Even if you're facing west and a giant bolt of lightning crashes behind you in the east, you still notice. So Jesus says his return will be as obvious as a giant crash of lightning that illuminates the entire sky it will be impossible to miss. Dead people aren't even going to sleep through it. So we should be watching and waiting all the time. We should be constantly ready for that bright and glorious day. But we don't have to go looking for it. We don't have to go searching for it. You're not going to miss it. Believers and unbelievers alike will see Jesus descending. Not everyone will be happy about it but everyone will see it. It's interesting to think about and wonder about, isn't it? Maybe it will happen during church. Maybe we'll be asleep. Maybe you'll be sleeping during church. <laughs> I hope not, <laughs> but maybe. Maybe I'll instantly be 10 years younger and 40 pounds lighter. And what will this event look like? Will everyone in the world see Jesus coming at the same time? How is that even possible? We can tie our brains in knots trying to figure out what exactly it will be like. Or we could just listen to Jesus' words. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. We're not going to miss it. Nobody is. Somehow, and I don't know how, but somehow, it will be as sudden and as visible as lightning. We won't miss it. The trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, and then any of us who are left alive until that day, along with all who had fallen asleep in Jesus but will now be alive again, 
together, we will all see Jesus with our very own eyes. We will meet him in the clouds, and we will be with our Lord Jesus Christ forever in his new creation. Dear saints, Jesus is coming, and this is glorious news. The king of heaven and earth is coming. This is our blessed hope. As Christians, we are promised deliverance from sin, death, and the devil through the death and resurrection of Jesus. We are promised victory. But sometimes our lives don't look all that victorious. Sometimes this world looks kind of messed up and kind of silly. Sometimes we are overcome by temptation. Sin seems just as powerful as ever. Death obviously continues to be a problem for us. And when we see all this, it kind of seems like the devil gets his way, at least sometimes. For now, the Christian life is marked by suffering. And why would we expect it to be any different? We call Jesus' bloody and gory death a victory. We worship a king whose coronation took place on an ancient instrument of execution while he wore a crown made of thorns. And even though he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, his church still remains in the same world that rejected him. And the same devil that tempted him is the same devil that tempts us, and we don't have the same strength as Jesus. So our Christian lives are marked by suffering, and oftentimes even failure and sin. But Jesus assures us that it will not always be this way. He has promised to return. Jesus is coming. Jesus will raise the dead. Jesus will judge. And Jesus will take his believing saints into his eternal kingdom. And then we will see and experience our redemption. The king of heaven and earth is coming. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.